For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In the Gun, episode 105 of ITG. It is time for an Oklahoma State recap, a tough one to stomach at Mountaineer Field this past Saturday. I'm Wesley Euler. I've got the best teammates in the business, the runaway beer truck. Down the sideline, big dog, Owen Schmidt, and of course the signal caller, Jed Drenning. And you guys already know, or at least you should by now, this episode of ITG brought to you in part by our friends at Bet Online, where the game starts. We are going to get into the game here in just a moment, guys. We'll catch up with Big Daddy on the other side of the break. But first, you know, it's been a, a few episodes since we've done an around campus uh, blurb here. That's kind of what we use sometimes to, to talk about some of the other teams. I guess we did last week mention the the Mountaineer men's soccer team in that top five clash, the big victory they had over Marshall. Uh, they're number one now nationally in a couple of the different polls. So uh, hopefully they can keep churning out those victories. Went down to Coastal Carolina and beat up on the Chanticleers uh, over the weekend. But of course, the basketball team, the men's basketball team, new head coach Josh Eilert, interim head coach to be, uh, to be accurate here. There's kind of been... Uh, something hanging over the team for the last couple weeks. That has been the waiver status of Raekwon Battle, the talented transfer uh, point guard for the Mountaineers. And this was one of those things where, you know, I think a lot of us were fearing the worst. We just went through this with Perez last year and his waiver being denied and him having to sit an extra year. And obviously he's off the team now. Uh, Raekwon Battle, very talented guy, averaged over 17 points a game last year. Well, stop me if you've heard this before. But on Monday uh, evening, around, I think, about 5.30, the program announcing the NCAA had denied Raekwon Battle's transfer waiver and that he would have to sit out uh, this upcoming season. A huge blow for him, a huge blow for the men's team. Now, it should be stated that they've already announced they're going to appeal, but it's like it's like getting arrested and having the cop who arrested you as the judge and jury, right? With this, and it's like in the NFL. I know Big O, you remember hearing this all the time. You get suspended, you get fined in the NFL. You can appeal it, but your appeal's Roger Goodell. I mean, it's the same guy who's handing down the fines as the one who gets to gets to handle the appeal. So you can imagine how the majority of those go. Um, it's just frustrating, guys. I think the NCAA is an institution that knows that it is losing power and authority, and it's coming to the end of its of its time as being, you know, the big bad boss of collegiate athletics. And this is kind of their way of striking back. We just had a similar type thing. Remember the whole Tez Walker? We talked about that on the podcast. I think Jed, right? The the North Carolina wide receiver whose uh, yeah. transfer was initially denied, and then there was a huge outroar, and, and and North Carolina put out a lot of statements, and Mac Brown put out a lot of statements, and their fan base raised a commotion, and they actually got it overturned. They finally, the NCAA said, new information has come to light, and they actually let Tez Walker play and granted him eligibility for 2023. That's my lone hope here. Um, make some Whether you've got social media, whatever, Make some noise, make a stink about this. Let everybody know that this is a bunch of BS. I hope the basketball team does the same thing. I hope we get a statement from Josh saying this is BS. I hope we get a statement from Ray Raekwon saying this is BS because it is BS. 
Um, but unfortunately, it's not surprising to me as as we sit here just a couple hours after the announcement came down. Well, you're right. It, it just appears that the NCA, in times of desperation, they recognize that their power has eroded and it's going to continue to. And they're kind of just flex and dunk on some of these kids at all the wrong times, whether it's the kid from North Carolina or whether it's this situation in West Virginia. Uh, there's there's very little consistency to it. First of all, there never has been. I mean, even when you look at the pre-portal era, I remember just the insane inconsistency of who was and who wasn't granted waivers. If you remember those days, just three, four years ago, when as an undergrad, the only way that you could transfer and immediately be eligible was if the NCA did grant your waiver request. Right. And there was actually an attorney who was really good at forcing the NCAA's hand, he found a little, he carved out a little cottage industry and in representing these kids and getting a lot of them to, uh, I remember the Tate Martell situation when he transferred to mm -hmm. Miami. Mm -hmm. uh, he was immediately eligible, but there was a tight end who transferred to Illinois, Owen, when Rod was up at Illinois with Lovey. And he had a, a sick family member right there back home. He was transferring back home to Illinois, but they did something about, you're not within a hundred miles of campus, your sick family member. He's like 120 miles away, or she is, I think it was his grandmother. But it reeks of that. Uh, and, and look, who does this hurt, in all honesty, other than a kid? Now, you can call him a, an athlete, a student athlete, uh, a quasi-pro athlete these days with the age of the, of the uh, NIL situation. But again, at the end of the day, you're not hurting anybody but the kid. I don't understand what, you're, what example you're trying to set. Like, in the past, I, I sometimes found myself defending the NCAA because they had to maintain even even with some of the crazy things that they tried to enforce they had to maintain some level of staying ahead of the posse in other words like i remember there was i think a holder this just seems it seems like 20 years ago in one respect but it was really only five or six years ago that i think it was central florida strangely enough had a holder and he had some youtube channel do you remember this wes and yes, and they made him take down his, they, his YouTube yep. channel again. This is all he did. Like he did, like order. trick. He did like trick shots, right? Like yeah, he'd like something like that. And he punt a ball into a into a trash can from fifty yards away. Things like he was that. Trying, yeah, exactly. That's what he was doing. And so he was trying to monetize his YouTube channel. And again, this is pre portal, so it's hard to remember those days, even though they were just a couple years ago. But the NCA and that pre portal era said, no, 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 not so fast. We can't allow you to do this. And everybody was coming down hard on the NCA. And I'm like, well. It sucks, but let me game this thing out and tell you their logic. Yes, if you let this kid do this for all the right reasons, somebody's going to abuse the right reasons and do it for the wrong reasons. And the next thing you know, an Alabama or Georgia booster is going to say, hey, Mr. Hot Up and Comer Jr. in high school, do you want to come to Alabama and start a YouTube channel? Wink, wink, and throw 50 grand. So that's what the NCAA used to have to do, but we live in a different world now. So to do this type of thing and not grant this, this is just, Owen, what do you think? I mean, like you said, it's just hurting the kid and his family, his future, really. So, uh, honestly, like you said, Wes, you, you nailed it. NCA is a dinosaur. Uh, they know they're going down like the Titanic. It's only a matter yep. of time now before, you know, some big announcement ends up happening. And, you know, then then you just think about all this crap that's happened in the past. And you're like, it should have been this way the whole time. You know, so it is what it is. You can be salty about it, not salty about it. They want to keep their hands in the in the pot for as long as they can. But unfortunately, like you guys said, you know, it's only hurting the athlete in yep. his future.
And I think, you know, just to put a bow on this, what's most frustrating for WVU fans, not that we just dealt with this last year with Perez, you know, it's kind of like a deja vu type thing. You, you see a lot of programs like Kansas, right? I mean, Kansas just went through this six-year investigation of, of cheating and all these different things, and they get no punishment. It's fine because they're Kansas. They're a blue blood brand. We can't harm Kansas. They're a moneymaker. We can't harm Kentucky. We can't harm Duke. Those schools are the schools that make us money and pull in millions and millions of eyeballs. And then they go and they punch down and they, you know, suspend Oklahoma State for an entire postseason. Oklahoma State misses out on March Madness when they've done one tenth of what Kansas was accused from. You know, a kid at a kid at WVU ends up getting his waiver denied because again, they're not gonna take down their big dogs who are their money makers so they'll try and flex their muscle elsewhere it's annoying i hope you know i hope we're doing an episode here in a couple weeks and we go hey remember we talked about raekwon battle a couple weeks ago well good news we found a way to get that thing turned around but i just we just went through this last year and perez wasn't able to play no matter what happened i hope i'm wrong i hope it's different this time i just don't have much faith that it will be, unfortunately. Another thank you to our friends at Toothman Ford for presenting this episode of In the Gun. Shout out to our guy, JR. We all know cars cost less than Grafton. They've got over, uh, what, two dozen now uh, WVU athletes signed to NIL, so make sure you're supporting the people who support our athletes and support this podcast. All right, guys, some some Oklahoma State thoughts before we go to break here and uh, and br- bring Big Daddy into this one. Obviously, 48-34, to 34, the Mountaineers fall, and I don't know what we usually like to do here. I think, right. Is I give kind of a synopsis and then we, and then we toss it around a little bit and we get the signal callers thoughts and Owen's thoughts guys. There's a lot to get into and we, and we will, and we always do. We'll, we'll talk about the run defense. We'll talk about some of the things on special teams and on offense, but to me, it's, it's just this, this team has to play clean to win. That's what I've been. That's what I, that's what's been sticking with me since Saturday. They can't turn the ball over. They have to be disciplined. They can't take those penalties. They can't shoot themselves in the foot. They can't make errors on special teams. They can't miss tackles. Wes, they have to play clean football to win. And Wes, they didn't do that Saturday. Wes, what you're describing is all the top ten programs in. I mean, that's how you put. That's that's how you that's how you win. You know what I mean? It's like. Mm-hmm. Nick Saban, it takes what it takes. We already know this. Why Why is it not being, like, how do you go from doing it sort of to not doing it anymore? No, that's that's how, I mean, that's how you were beating Pitt and in, in, in Texas Tech and in, 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 uh, in, in, uh, in TCU. I mean, net it's success on special man. teams, good tackling, I'm, yeah. no penalties, no turn, or, or, you know, one turnover. Um, Jed, it's just, you know, this, this is a team. I think now the sample size has gotten big enough. Right. And we've seen when they play clean football, they win when they don't, they lose. And and I know there's a lot of minutia in there, but I think that's kind of just on the surface where we're at. Well, there's a certain style of football that we have to play while we're playing clean football. Right. Uh, and, and just like Owen said, the best teams in America are the teams that most regularly do that. And, and the best teams in America are the teams that have enough talent to get away with not playing their best game and still beat you. Well, there's only a handful of those teams. We're not one of them. Most teams aren't one of those teams on that very short list of 5, 10, 15, blue, blue, whoever it might be. We're not on that list. So we can't do that and expect to overcome those things. Now, we've had four games come down to a couple plays one way or the other. Okay. Uh, two of them we won two of them we didn't so the question becomes 
understanding the incredible level of parity in this league and that so many of these games are going to come down to the final minutes or final situations like this has, how do you, you're not going to go, you're not going to bat a thousand, but how do you go three out of four instead of two out of four? I mean, that's the question. I mean, that's, that's the fair ask. If it comes down to two, three, four play sequences, which when there's parity, that's what the NFL is. That's why every game comes down to the final two minutes. There's tremendous parity, right? But what that means is you, you can't afford, like the thing that frustrates me, and I heard others say it this week, if you're winning a game 24 to 20 in the fourth quarter at, at home, when you're three, and zero at home, you got to feel pretty good that you have a shot to win that football game. That is when that faux pas on the special teams happen. Now, again, it's, it's not as though the Oklahoma state staff didn't de deal with similar things. I mean, they, they kicked a punt into their up backs behind, right? <laughs> I mean, that their punter was spinning around looking in the wrong direction for the ball. They missed a chip shot field goal, maybe the best kicker in the league, right before the half. They had an egregious third and long DPI to bail us out. They didn't play perfect football. Everybody's going to make these mistakes. What you got to do is make sure yours aren't as timely as theirs and be plus one in the mistake category in terms of or minus one, however you want to look at it. Have one fewer right. back-breaking mistake than the, the opponent has. And and if you do that, you're going to find a way, despite all these other things, we're talking about all these little mistakes in a game where a guy ran for 282 yards and we still had a chance to win. But all these little mistakes, right? It wasn't wasn't Barry Sanders in the backfield for, for the Cowboys, Sanders. although uh, Gordon, Gordon's and, pretty good, I tell you. And what, what we talk about last week in talking about the structure of their run game, okay, a couple of things I want to point out here. They reinvented what they did through three games, and this is what makes Mike Gundy Mike Gundy. Mike Gundy's one of the best in the business. There's a reason he's the fourth longest tenured head coach in all of college football, the longest in the Big 12. He's won just about every different way you can with about just every different coordinator you can you can imagine on both sides of the ball. And now he's got a new D2, D2 coordinator on the defensive side, and Brian Nardo came from Dannon, right up, or Gannon, right up the road in the PSAC. But three games into this thing, they're playing three quarterbacks. They're getting smacked around by South Alabama. DJ Oliver is not in beast mode. Their offensive line lacks continuity. They're not dominating people. So they went back to the basics, kind of like we did a couple weeks back, went back to camp, started hitting. When you talk to the Oklahoma State people, they said, look, that was more physical than camp in some respects. But then they also said, hey, we can't be running as much zone, as many zone concepts in the running games we've been running. we got to go more gap. And oh, and that's what they did. They kind of flipped it in the first three games. They were zone concept heavy, some gap. In the last three games leading into Morgantown, they were gap heavy, some zone, okay? Now, again, they're, they're not getting the kind of push that you would expect. Uh, there were a lot of opportunities against this kid, and there have been all year. When I watched tape, I kept seeing people hit him, and I put some of this on social media, at the line of scrimmage or sometimes a yard behind the line of scrimmage, and he was still getting yards. What should have been a TFL was a five-yard pickup. Time well, after he's a time strong after kid. Time. I saw him doing it to Kansas. I saw him doing it to Kansas State. Time after time is what he was doing. This blew my mind, and that's why I posted it last week. He was the sixth leading rusher in the Big 12 coming into last week, despite the fact that 44% of his carries had seen him hit at or behind the line of scrimmage. Almost half his carries – 
he was hitting the backfield or at the line. He was a sixth leading rusher. Well, what happened against West Virginia? He had 282 yards rushing. Do you know how many of those yards came after first contact? 194 yards after first contact. So we came in as a team afflicted by poor tackling, self-inflicted against Houston, hoping to remedy that. Now, what happened was against Houston, it was a combination of poor tackling and a poor outing by the defensive line. I think to some extent, the defensive line kind of held its own. But the second and third level, and this is after I watched the tape. I mean, there were things that I was fearful of. Dude, okay. They were they were not good watching the tape. No, the second and third they were they were missing fits, poor angles, leading with the wrong shoulder. Sorry, man. I mean, that was that was as bad as it gets, dude. It was terrible. Watching that stuff was trash, and I get it. That kid's a big back, but dude. Come on. A couple man. of those couple of those runs at the end were practically uncontested. I mean, Dude, we got we, like, we got we got one arm we got one arm on him and he's That's gone. what I'm saying. I'm like one arm. That's what we got. That's why I didn't yeah. listen. We were talking before the podcast everybody just to let yeah. you know getting our feelings out, okay? So we didn't freak out on <laughs> couple, the show. Couple four letter here, words. Couple four letter words. Yeah, and here's the deal. I said something to Jed. I truly believe now I'm not going to say they okay, I said they laid down. In my opinion, when when you're messing technique up and you know sing arm grabbing guys and 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 arm trying to arm tackle you're you're either not conditioned okay or you're you're just you're defeated you're defeated it's like i that's just what i felt in my heart of hearts yeah. of football hearts again in real time I thought to myself as I walked off the field, I was a little fearful of what I might see when I watched the tape. Yeah, I was. And as I was watching the tape, I was at least, at, this is the only silver lining I came away. That was embarrassing. But I'm like, you know what? I see guys full speed, which matters, missing play. It does. That matters. Yeah. What did Rich always tell us, Owen? Make a mistake, make it full speed. I yeah. see that last touchdown. Eddie V blew through that gap harder than he blew through any gap the entire game, full speed, forced him to redirect. No linebacker was there to scrape and help him. The D line went full speed. Now, you saw backers missing gaps. You saw spears flying off the edge, missing fits. You saw a bunch of bad, horrible, wretched football. But what oh. I was afraid of? I'd see guys getting whipped, not five yards backwards, not hustling, not playing with appropriate pad level, and just getting beat man-to-man. I was afraid of that. I didn't see it that. What I saw was bad football in the wrong place, full speed in the wrong place. Now, there's a couple exceptions. There are. Because I have seen teams do exactly what you said, Owen. So have you. Lay down, horrible pad level, get knocked five yards off the ball. You have no chance no matter what you do. That's not what I saw. I saw horrible technique, bad run fits, Guys in the wrong spot, but at least I saw effort. That's what I saw. Now, the again, the bad run spots was terrible. You, you just talked about the last two touchdowns. When you go back and really scrutinize it, one of them, the only thing we got on him was what Eddie V got on him, blown by that tackle to try and do what he could, and he's just not athletic enough to make the play himself. He needed a linebacker to scrape. And on the other one, the only thing we got on him was a hand by Raleigh Collins screaming in out of control completely off the edge otherwise nobody got a finger on him. nobody got a finger on him and there he went 60 yards because what we were doing you know what we did on that last possession what would you try and do if you're trying to stop stop the other team out 
coverage wise, package wise, what would you try and do? What do you mean as far as like defensively, what would you call coverage wise or blitz wise? You go zero. Yeah, absolutely. You're zero. Say, hey, I'm, I'm bringing the man, I'm loading the box. That's what we yeah. do. What happens if if the first level evaporates versus zero? There's yeah, no you blow level. your blow your wad, dude. It's you miss gone. your See fit. You There's no backer playing a backstop to catch you. You're firing through a gap. If you fire through the wrong gap, those those DBs are running backwards in man coverage. They don't even see it. So the only chance you got is at the point of contact, all resources downhill. And if you miss a fit, if you play with poor technique and he breaks through and you don't make that play right there, it's over. It's over. And that's yeah. the only difference between the last two touchdowns and the early touchdowns that were 15, 20-yard gains instead of 60-yard gains is you had other people with eyes ahead to help make a play after your poor fit or after your poor technique. That's the only difference. Or you'd have seen that all day. Unfortunately, unless we did something differently, you would have seen that all day. And we got gashed. I mean, to be winning 24 to 20 at home and then watch a kid run for 149 yards on less than a handful of carries, that's awful. That is awful by Jed, any 20 24 to 20, right? And then you still scored 10 points in the fourth yep. quarter. Yep. Like going into that, if you you got a four point lead and you're going to score 10 points in the fourth quarter, yep. I think we would all thought, all right, here's here comes a W. I mean, and... the flow of the first half went kind of what we expected. It's kind of what we talked about last week. The flow of the third quarter went kind of like we expected. Oh, the flow of the first half week. was absolutely. <laughs> well, I'd say the first five minutes. He's he's pinching his nose. The first five PU minutes was stinky, dude. Listening. The first five minutes, I was like, "What in the That's hell is going we on?" At halftime, we fell behind yeah. ten nothing. We were winning 17, seven, 17 to thirteen. Felt I, great. Well, at That's halftime. what I'm saying, though. It's like, yeah. what a roller coaster to get to that point and then just literally derailment after the third quarter. Yes. Yep. Just it's just like ah man. I mean, it's it's got to be tough to be in the locker room and on that team right now to, you know, I'm never going to say, I know I said that it looked like oh, you know, maybe you're we're defense. giving up. In your you defense, know? it felt like it. I know, and dude, it did. And I even in Nico's like, oh post-game gosh. remarks, he said the same thing. I need to watch the tape to give you a yeah. full evaluation. Because anybody who was paying attention, it felt like what you just said. Yeah. So there's no need to apologize. I mean, that, that's what it felt like. And had I not watched the tape, I, I mean, again, I went into that video thinking to myself, oh, boy, here we go. When this fourth quarter rolls around, they're going to get pushed around. They're going to get knocked out of gaps. They're going to be on their back six yards downfield. I could run for 20 yards. No, that, that's not what we saw. <laughs> I saw uncontested gaps with defensive linemen, sometimes slanting, sometimes pinching, different things going on, guys missing fits, completely unfitted gaps. I saw us not handling the cutback on the zone play because that's the other thing I want to talk about. I, I tell you the, the love-hate relationship I have with these analytic sites sometimes. You have to – they can provide a lot of stuff so long as you corroborate it with your own film study. Don't just blindly go into these analytic sites and just say, well, this analytic site said this, so that's that. L- let me tell you something. Owen, the only thing I can figure, whoever was watching the tape for that game, they must think – that a split zone, they must be counting as a gap concept. Now, I understand because Owen and I will explain what a split zone is, but but because the way they record this, they, they say how many gap runs you had, how many zone runs you had. I mean, they hardly had any zone concepts on the metrics on the site. And I was like, dude, what tape are you watching? 
They were gashing us with split zone. Now, what split zone is, for those listening at home, and Owen, I want you to jump in because I've just called it. I've never run it. Okay, you're zone blocking, all right? But the difference is when you're blocking down and you're going to leave, we always talk about leaving that defensive end or that edge player unblocked. There's almost, you're introducing a trap element to it. That's the only place that would have a gap-like feel to it because you're going to trap that unblocked defender. And you can trap him a host of different ways, but normally what you're going to do is you're going to get creative with your tight end coming from the backside. We do the same thing. And he's going to come in on block, flying down, thinking, man, i got a play to make. And then the next thing you know, he's got a face full tight end. And that, that's how you run the split zone. Well, they were doing that time and time and time again, just presenting it in different ways, whether it was from motion. Like one of the things they would do, I'll give you the first example of the game. First time, first play of the game that they hit this thing and gashed us with the cutback. It was like the third snap of the game with Ollie Gordon. They ran trips to the field. The tight end was the inside slot to the left, to the wide side of the field. Okay, so now what they did was now we matched heads to that trips. So Anthony Wilson's up top playing center field. Aubrey Burks had dropped down over the inside slot. Again, we're matching heads defensively against those three receivers. Well, they motioned the tight end to the backside to run that split zone, leaving our band that Jared Bartlett unblocked. So the tight end collisions Bartlett. It's a one-on-one block. He uses momentum against him. Boom. There's that huge gap that opens up on the cutback. I want to, you know, see what I'm saying? In other words, Oliver or Gordon takes it. He heads towards the trips. He reads the cutback. Boom, he goes. Meanwhile, what was happening? Aubrey Burks recognized, uh, we got a bad fit over there. So you see Aubrey on tape trying to move back. Now, I'm not sure if defensively we were trying to do what we call banjo the coverage. Sometimes you'll see a response to motion defensively is to kick one safety from the motion side back and kick the other safety down. Some people refer to that as banjoing the coverage. It almost felt like we were trying to do that to get the appropriate run fit on the backside, but the communication fell short. Anthony Wilson stays up high. So as a result, we don't have a safety downhill fitting that lane on the cutback. So boom, there he goes. I think that was a 20 yard pickup. So those were the types of things we were looking at. And as soon as you adjust to that, There'd be one other wrinkle they'd throw up. It really, it wasn't a matter of outboxing us. It's, it was just the only thing they did differently was they, they went a little more pistol. It weren't a bunch of exotic looks. I mean, these were the things that I saw on tape when I was studying them. It's just maybe more split zone, which they'd run a bunch of anyway, but they ran a bunch of gap. So it was just, they were finding ways. And, and then over the course of the uh, the game, uh, they, they dropped a couple offensive linemen and, they still kept on chucking, you know, but, but again, defensively, when you evaluate what we did and didn't do three quarters of good football, one quarter wretched off of the worst football you ever see. And that's what cost us. But the defensive line, again, the rotation for what it was doing, it wasn't all that bad. Uh, even at its worst, they could have played better, but you heard Neil in his presser, he talked about, you have to leverage the football. Well, in part, that's what he's discussing. Without your safeties being involved in an efficient way in their fits and the backers being involved in an efficient way in their fits, you're going to be out leveraged. And consistently, we were out leveraged. Either we were fitting the wrong gap or we were leading with the wrong shoulder. I mean, oh, and you know all about that. When you're blocking a defender, all right, you want the back to follow you one way. It's all about which shoulder you choose to knock that defender, right? Well, if you choose the wrong shoulder, all you can do is knock them back into the gap or into the running back. 
well, that's what uh, defensively we were doing. We were sometimes choosing the wrong shoulder, sometimes choosing the wrong gap, but you put it all together and it was, it was a mess. It was a mess. Jim, I mean, do, you th- do you think that because just, I don't know, do we not know the scheme or are we just not experienced enough? Is that what it comes down to? Are we playing too? Are we just trying too hard? You know, I tell you what, I don't think it is. I, I, I really don't think with 69 snaps, even if most of them were in the second half, uh, people were saying, Hey, is it conditioning? Hey, is it this? Hey, like the two things that we were, that Neil was asked about, he was asked, Hey, was there a hangover from Houston? Well, if there was not enough to have us behind at the half, Okay, maybe the 10 nothing, but we were winning at halftime. We were up 24-20 the fourth quarter. So this isn't a Houston hangover issue. That's point number one. Point number two, you look fatigued because what happens when you get tired? Your technique disintegrates, your your technique erodes, you tackle more poorly. Uh, I, I can't imagine that was the case, even though our starters are getting the lion's share of the snaps because – just it's that time of year. This is the the new era of what you're going to see when you have cre- when you have critical injuries at key spots. In the age of the portal, you're not going to have the type of depth that you once did after a couple guys get hurt. We have a couple guys out for the season on the back end. We have a safety out. We have a corner out. We have we had a backer knocked out in the spring who was probably if not going to start going to push the start. And Josiah Trotter, he was certainly going to have a lot of snaps. Uh, we have uh, uh, Cave Caves out. Uh, I'm forgetting somebody else. Oh. Trey Latham, right, the best football out of that entire linebacker groups out for the year. So now you're finding yourself in position. Other guys are going to be forced to step up and do it. And and you know what? It's not ready. You're going to have to roll with those guys. Yeah, they're just not. Uh, Yeah, I I mean, mean, it's like you know Ben Cutter's a great example of that. Like he shows it in flashes that you can see there's a player in there, but he's a true freshman. He's He's a true freshman. Yeah, yeah. In other words, his eight to ten snaps a game behind Trey Latham were where he should be at that point Correct. Correct. versus now is 50 to 60 snaps as a starter started because there's no trailer but it's the, like Jed, it's like it's like it's like he's it's like he's it's like he's a he's like a lightweight fighter right who's being asked to to fight as a heavyweight yeah. right and, now, and one day you know? he will be that guy one day absolutely he will be that guy everybody absolutely. Has a different like i said he shows he shows he shows the flashes he think, does. Of, think of what trey lathan looked like as a true freshman right right, right. But trey lathan had a chance to mature his body his mentality yeah all those things but but uh, one way or the other, in this new era of the portal, everybody's going to be dealing with this. So you just, as you always do, as November starts creeping up on the calendar, you're sitting there thinking, everybody's going to be injured. I hope I'm less injured than the guys I'm playing. That's really what you say as November rolls around. Because when you look at the teams that are the best teams at the end of the year, outside of a couple of exceptions, they're usually the healthiest teams at the end of the year. So that, that's part of it. And, and the portal is going to make that a different animal. But you have to find ways. Central Florida, as, as so many people have said, they don't care. They don't care. I mean, they lost their quarterback for three weeks. You think they care? Now he's back. So everybody's dealing with some version of this. And it's almost like when you look at, again, the self-inflicted is what creates these things that make everything else worse. And here's what I mean by that. You have two penalties for 30 yards on the go-ahead drive, right? Those are self-inflicted wounds. I mean, there's no doubt about it. That was a face mask. That was a late hit out of bounds. Both those were good calls. Okay, you can't refute them and say, hey, bad calls. What do you have to get it? No, good calls. So as a result of those poor decisions and those poor techniques and those 30 yards worth of penalties, now when you find yourself in a third down situation in which your safety flies up to get what should have been a TFL, but he's held by their tight end, 
Hey, who put yourself in that situation? Yeah. Just because they missed the holding call. Look, what we said before, things in a football game don't happen to you. They yeah, I was just gonna I was just gonna say that you. they don't happen to you. You're in that third down you. because of your poor decisions <laughs> with those penalties. Yes, they missed the holding call. Yes, we'll probably get an apology from the Big 12. But guess what? Don't put yourself in that situation. Same thing with the lack of an interference on Cole Taylor on the first down in the red zone, our final possession. That was, again, I, I when I watched the tape, I was like, how do you miss that DPI? Wow. Don't put yourself in that situation. I said this on the postgame show. Guys, there's an old saying, for a plot hatched in hell, don't expect angels as witnesses. And when you do put yourself in these horrible situations with self-inflicted penalties, self-inflicted mistakes, self-inflicted lack of run fits, poor technique, all these things that otherwise you might be able to just keep sprinting past, now they're going to seem like game killers because you put yourself in that situation. You put yourself in such a precarious state that someone missing a holding call on a third down feels like it be, gets you beat. Someone missing an interference call on a goal-to-go situation, which would have had the ball at the one, feels like it, it, it took away your only chance to maybe onside with three timeouts left again. No, no, no. You put yourself in that situation. Those things, the reason they matter are because of what you did and because of what you didn't do. If you don't want those things to feel so damaging, so destructive, and so painful, handle your business differently in all the snaps leading up to those things. Yes, they blew the holding call. Yes, they blew the DPI. Play good enough football that those things don't get you beat. Yep. Jed, so, it's like it, it reminds me of everything you – yeah. yeah, everything this you just laid out there, the same, it is. This yeah. crap we've been talking about forever. And that was, again, going going down to Houston before that Thursday night game, that was one of this team's greatest strengths. They were a bottom five penalized team in in, in, in all of Power 5 football. Um, well, that's been a the big part of what's cost you. And investigate those games, I'm telling you right now, because I've thought about this, had a play gone the other way and we lost them, we're having a different conversation about our discipline on that football team. Oh, big time. We're saying, oh, this thing hurt us in the third quarter. This thing, we're so undisciplined. No, no, no. We made that one play. So all of a sudden, you gloss over those and we're a disciplined team. Again, Oklahoma State, I just mentioned blocking a punt into your upbacks, but, okay? I just mentioned the chip shot missed field goal. The ridiculous DPI. What are you doing on third and 16? Interfering. What, what are you doing? That was borderline uncatchable football. That was Joe. That was Joe. That was by Oklahoma State. Jed, but, that was Joe Flacco heritage right there, baby. I mean, that was, was that was that was prime was. Joe Flacco right there. That's undisciplined by Oklahoma State, but they made one more play than us, so their fans aren't back in Stillwater talking about how undisciplined they are. If you win these games, it changes the whole narrative. Wow, what a great learning experience to win a game despite doing X, Y, and Z. But when you don't make that play, here we are. Here we are. Can't ride a whole season like that, though. You know. Yeah, you can't listen. You you can't you can't. What's the what's the what's the old phrase too? You can't you can't ride the ride the tiger and not get bit. Something like that. I mean, that's we've been riding the tiger for 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 a month or so here. In these last two games, we've gotten bit. Yeah, you're gonna have to in this league ride the tiger more than you're comfortable with. Sure, sure. But you're gonna have to find a way to instead of winning two out of the four, win three out of the four. Let them make one more mistake than you. You're not going to be mistake-free. You're still going to do things that people call undisciplined when you lose and tend to forget about when you win. But if you can make that one extra play, 
if you can stop the flea flicker, or excuse me, the flea flicker, the Hail Mary against Houston, if you don't have the 15-yard, any of those one things, those individually could have turned that game out differently. Whole, whole conversation come out of Houston's different. We're five and one. We have a chance of being ranked. Whole conversation's different. We're still incredibly disciplined. Wow, we're so disciplined. We overcame poor tackling. But when you don't make that one more play and the other team does, all those things are laid bare for the world to see, and they're complained about as they should be. That's open game. It's fair game. It's on the table. What I'm saying is you can't be expected when you are riding the Tiger week after week after week to slay the Tiger every week. But what what's reasonable? Hey, how about three out of four in these games instead of two out of four? Yeah. And I think you're right, Jed. I mean, you know, you find a way to knock that Hail Mary down. You find a way against Oklahoma State. If you're if you're oh, five at you're five if you're five and two right now as opposed to four and three, it's a completely different conversation. You're still feeling pretty good. Um, but that is like you kind of said, that's the nature of the beast in this that's league. The old saying. And yep. at the end of any season, I mean any team that has a special year, Owen, you were on three special teams. When you think back to critical pivotal moments during your season. Even if you won by two or three touchdowns, there was a moment in that game that turned the tide that you made a play slightly better than they did. And, and that all comes down to at the end of a season, I mean, there's a dozen, 15, 20 of those plays. So great teams make the majority of those plays. They're not going to make all of them, and they're probably going to lose a couple times because they didn't make all of them. Three out of four, but right, Jed? 75, 75% of the time, three out of four. You, you got you to gotta find a way – Again, look at the circumstances in these last two losses, and we got to hop out before we can get to Big Daddy. But the circumstances are you're up by four with 12 seconds left at Houston. And the circumstances here, you're up by four at home in the fourth quarter receiving the punt. And you're 3-0 and at home, and the crowd's into it. And the offense has been effectively moving the ball. They found some answers in the second. So both those games, that's why – this is you got to find a way you got to yeah. find a way i yeah. mean you block the kick at That's tcu what... that thing goes through who knows what happens in overtime right you made that stop against texas tech that thing gets in the end zone they might go for two who knows how that ends you made yeah. that one play that in these circumstances we're talking about you didn't yep. you let you let pit you let pit drive the whole way down the field right but then you held him to a field goal Yes, these weren't I mean, 55 to 10 games. You didn't win 55 to 10. You didn't lose 55 to 10. You're right there. Now make that critical play one more time than they do and win those games. Oh, Before we go to break, a thank you to our friend Rick Lewis and Fortis, the best commercial roofing business in the country for roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. Make sure you visit fortis.us.com. we got to get to break. We'll close down a few minutes with our guy Big Daddy. On the other side, to wrap up this conversation, you are in the gun. Nobody supports the Blue and Gold Mountaineers like Toothman Ford. With over 20 NIL deals and counting, Toothman Ford continues to rally behind our student-athletes. And it's time we rally and support the dealer that supports the Mountaineers. Not only does Toothman Ford offer the best prices in the state on pre-owned, their never-over MSRP campaign on new Fords guaranteed to, to save you thousands. thousands. Drive with pride all season long, knowing you're supporting the dealer that fuels our Mountaineers. Toothman Ford, where cars cost less. In Grafton and at ToothmanFord.com. For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at In the Gun Podcast. 
For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyd's of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations with more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit fortis.us.com. Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. Let's go, Mountaineer fans. You're tuned in to In the Gun with Wes, the runaway beer truck, and the signal caller. Back in the gun here. It's your new favorite WVU football podcast. We've got our favorite guest, our day one, the handsome, tubby, man of gold, Sean Big Daddy Mariner. Uh, Sean, this is before you came on, we did like, I don't know, like 30, 40 minutes of just kind of some some cathartic ranting in there some let, some, let some, some let it out some reasonable takes and um you know we just we, we kind of our consensus was this is that you know through i mean really other than do the the maybe the first two games penn state and duquesne um a tale of two cities there right penn state one of the best teams in the country duquesne and an fcs opponent you've been riding the tiger Right. I mean, you needed a lot of things to go and, and, and credit to those guys. When you win games like that, it's a credit for you, too. But you needed to play clean. You needed things to go your way. You needed to win the turnover battle or at least be darn close. I mean, you were plus three against Pitt. Right. Or sorry, plus two because they had three. You had one. Um, and then against Texas Tech in the in the fourth and goal stand and then against TCU and the two block field goals and all those things. You'd run the Tiger a little bit on that line that you have to do in this league. And then it doesn't go your way Thursday night down in Houston. It doesn't go your way against Oklahoma State, despite a lot of – I mean, you're up at halftime despite some some big miscues in the first half. you got a four-point lead going into the fourth quarter as you're about to get a, get the ball back. Um, that's kind of one of the things we were talking about. You went into the fourth quarter with a 10-point – or with a four-point lead, and you scored 10 points in the fourth quarter. Like, if you would have told all of us you're going to score 10 more points in this game, we would have been like, all right, big time. Um that's just man, like that is that's the fine line of, yeah. I mean, you could easily be five and two right now. You could maybe even be six and one. Yeah. Um, but when you ride the tiger like that, just the nature of the beast, you're gonna get bit a few times. And man, they've been uh they've been some nasty bites these last two games. I can almost guarantee you guys have talked about it, having not been on until just now. And I'm not just trying to silver line everything, but I do. I try to look at more positive than negative, so I don't just get. Is this, glass, is this glass half full or half that's, empty? That's more than half full, my friend. You're a three-quarter kind of guy. That's why we love you. Um, down 10-0 to start the game after how the game started and you come back, the fight is there. So that's that's one thing that I do appreciate. In years gone by, Jed, you and I know, had that game home or on the road. It's it's tough sledding from there. So to to get back in and to even have a lead, the, the that was Kansas, a that was a fifty five fourteen Colin Klein Kansas State game. In the without back. question, without question. 
So they they've got the fight in them. It just you got it. You just got to be able to extend it over four quarters. It sounds cliche. I am the furthest thing from a coach to know exactly what I'm talking about. But but that's that's just what it seems. Guys, we're so disjointed. In, in other words, if it's felt for the better part of a year and a half, maybe even two years, if you can bring it all together at the same time, that's really what this is all about. Okay, mm-hmm. we've seen high-level football in all three phases at different times, but we've rarely seen it at the same time. Okay, I mean, I'll, I'm, I'm going to give you a few numbers here. 23, 24, 17, 24. What, 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 do you, what do you see going on here? 20. I'll throw a 20 in there. 23, 24, 17, 20, 24. Those are the point totals offensively in our last five wins against FBS teams. 24, 23, 17, 20, 24. That's all it took to beat five FBS teams. Now, teams are different. Matchups are different. I get it. That's why I'm trying to look at a broader picture. So we won all five of those games that scored more than 24 points. Now, here's some other numbers. 31, 42, 31, 31, 39, 34. Those are the six times since the beginning of last year we've scored 31 or more and lost. Jay, that's a great point. If you would if you would have told us before together. the Houston, if you would have told us after that TCU game, hey, Mountaineers next two games out, they're going to score 39 and they're going to score yes. 34. We'd all be like, we're six and one. We're six and yep. one and we're ranked 17th in the country. Yep. So if you can bring it all together and the special teams piece, which again, yep. If you don't drop that punt, Neil talked about this. Yeah, you're talking about the positives. We forced a missed field goal. We had the uh, the blocked punt, pushing them into the backside of the up 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 back. If you can bring it all together, you've demonstrated the ability to play winning football in all three phases. What you got to do is demonstrate it. Oh, and that's what you guys did better than most, right? You had the Jeff Castile defenses. You had what you guys were doing on offense. You had the crazy characters in your special teams units, whether it was uh, whether it was Pat doing what he did, whether it was Lance Frazier uh, fearlessly sliding for, for punts to avoid fair catches, whatever it might be, that's what you guys found ways to do, at least more consistently than most of the teams you were facing. Now, it's not as though – we haven't showed again matchups are matchups. You can sit here and argue well against lesser offenses, against lesser defense, whatever it might be. But there have been times we've played winning football on defense, winning football on offense, and winning football on special teams. What you have to do, what good teams do, bring those things together. And we just really have it's been one or the other or two of the three. We haven't seen all three phases. Again, I'm talking about FBS. All three phases. When's the last time we saw all three phases at once? Click. It's been a while. It's yeah, been a while. I mean, it has been a while. Yeah, and maybe, I think maybe, 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 maybe Virginia, Virginia Tech last Tech, year. I was thinking that too. Yeah. Yeah. Look, at us, look at us, yeah. Sean. Look at us. Look at there us. You go. So it, it, that's the type of thing, and and there's a reason that that was the biggest margin of victory in the history of the series in Blacksburg, right? So. When those things happen, a lot of things are possible, but they have to happen with more regularity than they have. At least get two of the three. It's it's difficult to line up all three. Man, it is. It really is. It's difficult for any team in America to line up all three. 
Uh, but if you can get two out of the three, uh, whew, you're, you're, you're up to something. But again, those point totals offensively, we've won with 23, 24, dating back to late last year, 17 this year, 20 this year, 24 this year. We've won five, our last five wins over FBS teams. We haven't scored more than 24. We won a lot of those types of games. So if we have that in us, how about the six where we scored 31 or more? Can't you win half those? It's yeah. wild. It's you see wild. what I'm saying? Bring all that together. I mean, Jed, what what was what was the the Neil Brown record when the Mountaineers rushed for over 200 yards coming to this was game? Be, was, this was his first loss. Like no, was it? Didn't didn't the brawl opener last year? No, it was almost. That was the okay. one of 75. Okay. I'll check that as we're talking here. But I think he was like in the one Stranger, Stranger Things. I mean, yeah. Maybe we should have a segment on this show called Stranger Stats. If you want to sponsor Stranger Stats, email us. Last year, I'm sorry. Yeah. Big Daddy! This was his first loss over 200 uh, rushing. Uh, Now, you could argue the nature of the rushing. Some of it was with Garrett, you know, running like a scalded dog, helping us play catch up when it got wild in the fourth quarter. It wasn't like 200 yards rushing that just outright helped you push them around to control the game, you know, but – and Jed, in the bigger in the bigger picture too. I mean, if if we would have all you know back in August, right when we were doing our Penn State preview and getting ready for the regular season, if you would have told us all that at Halloween Garrett Green is going to be your leading rusher, I think what we would have been. I think we would have. I think we would have been concerned. What I ask you guys during the break, you know, if you'd have told me that seven games in, a healthy C.J. Donison Donaldson, by and large healthy, would have had four hundred and fifty yards, my first response would have been, uh oh. Uh oh. Yeah. What are we doing to overcome that? So, uh oh, that's right, Jed. That riddle needs to be solved. Okay. There's no riddle, Jed. There's no yeah. riddle anymore. CJ needs to come alive, man, for four quarters. There's no doubt about that's, it. He doesn't have a 20 yard run. No, there's, there's no doubt about it. He doesn't I mean, have a 20 yard need... run, Jed. No, no. Mm. No. Nope. <sighs> And I'm starting to see like a lot more like what you guys this this really podcast I love you guys this drives me to drink this we podcast to, drives this was supposed this to be drives a fun, me to, this drives me podcast. to drink I'm supposed to come on and just jibber jabber and I know. The, the fat hey, like Sean the Sean, Sean, fall down. Sean Sean at least we got good news earlier though Raekwon Battles waiver got denied I mean we got that going for us I mean wonderful. Listen, the one positive I took away from this weekend, and I'm not trying to bring anybody else down, specifically anybody else in our profession. The one positive that I took from this weekend is that I have never put Adolf Hitler on the video board. I thought you were going to say, like, we sold more uh, country trust loggers than. uh... I mean, that's probably still. Oh, did you see what he's talking about? Did well, you see Michigan State? Game? Michigan, Michigan State put oh, Adolf right. Hitler on there. They lost. They lost at home to their biggest rival by forty nine points. But and that wasn't maybe the most embarrassing thing that they did. They put Adolf Hitler on the jumbo. Now, now, little trivia. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know all of the details. But what the statement that was released was that they have a third party that does trivia for them, and one of the trivia answers was where Austria. was Ad- where was Adolf Hitler born? But it's Austria with a picture of Adolf Hitler. So as they're getting boat raced 42 to nothing in the third quarter, their administration on top of everything else that's currently going on at Michigan State has to release a statement that also says, hey, we're sorry that Hitler was on the video board earlier. And and you know what? They thought they could delete it real fast, but guess what? Michigan has footage of that. 
Hey, that's that's history. He was there. He was there. He was there. History, man. Who cares? <laughs> listen, listen. If you want to have a trivia question, don't put his picture on the jumbo. Yes, yes. <laughs> it could be. I, it could, maybe could be an answer, but it just like oh. I, you my guys, heart, you, my brethren in the profession, you guys, you guys will appreciate this, and then we'll wrap here because at least we can wrap on a laugh. Um, I work with a guy, Mike Pursuta. He is the Steelers pregame show host, Steelers.com. He hosts the DVE morning show, which is like the biggest morning show in Pittsburgh. Uh, he's a he's a he's a lifelong you know sports guy here in Pittsburgh. He's a Michigan State grad, and he's a lot like me. Like he, he works around the Steelers and the Penguins and the pot, but, but his emotions, his happiness depend on his alma mater, Michigan state football, Michigan state basketball, Michigan state hockey. Like he wears it on his sleeve. He's in his sixties and he's told me he's retiring in a couple years. And he said the first year that he retires, he, him and his wife are getting an apartment in East Lansing. And he said, I'm going to, in one year, I'm going to go to every home football, basketball, and hockey game. In yeah. one year, football and men's men's basketball and hockey. He's like, we're gonna live in East Lansing for you know eight eight. We're we're gonna live in East Lansing for eight months, and I'm yeah. gonna go to every football, men's basketball, and men's hockey game in a calendar year. It's a bucket, and I'm like, that's fantastic. I'm I'm in. I don't even I don't know nothing. Get me in. I'm in on this. East that's Lansing's cool. a neat area. I I had I had to. So again. Michigan State's been through a lot in the past few months, right? I mean, like they they got years. a lot a lot years. of things going on, yeah. and I know it really. Af- I know it re- right. I mean, we don't need to bring Dr. Larry Nasser into yeah, this, exactly. right? Um, and I know he he wears it on his sleeve. He loves his university. He's Sparty all the time. He's got Sparty stuff on his car. Like he's 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 like we like his you know his his alma mater is his is his uh you know chief most uh, emotional investment, and. We are uh, Saturday. We are at El Segundo Brewing Company, which is the Stone Cold Steve Austin Brewing Company. Yeah. Give me a hell yeah, brother. In, Vodka. Uh, in, in, beer. In, what? More beer. What? Vodka. What? Tequila. And a Bloody Mary. More beer. And we are, and we are, uh, we're, and, I, and this, this news breaks, right? Mm. And, of the, and I'm just like, I'm like, buddy, I, his name's Mike Pursuta. His nickname's Triv. I go, I go, Triv. What can we do for you? <laughs> I go, I go, I normally don't, because you know, like how it is with me, right? I I walk into work on Friday after the Houston game and everyone's like, Hail Mary. Uh. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't do that to him because I know he's like me. It really affects his emotional and his mental well-being. But I lean into him. I'm like, Triv, I gotta, I gotta what the hell's going on, buddy? Like, what are you guys <laughs> doing? <laughs> Did he have a response? Yeah, uh, it's not appropriate for this podcast yeah, it's, it's unless 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 we want to slap a a disclaimer an expletive yeah. on this one. But it's it had a lot of. It's the neat it, college town. It's I, a I, sweet I little in, scene. Uh, I lived in Butterfield Hall, and I always told which was the same hall that James Kahn lived in when he went to Michigan State. And the reason I know that one year for homecoming, he came back and visited the hall. Right. Nice. So I always told myself I had James Kahn's room. Right. I was just convinced myself I had James I had Jimmy Kahn's room, but. Uh, yeah, it's an well, you guys will laugh. I know Owen will appreciate this too. Like I always say, I mean, my initials are WVU. I was ra- I was baptized in the blue lot, right? Like I was always going to WVU. But <laughs> if you put a gun to my head and you were like, "Hey, you, you couldn't go to WVU. Where would you have gone to college?" My answer's always been Wisconsin or Michigan State, because I know Owen will appreciate that too. Because I would have wanted the trifecta of football, basketball, hockey. Hockey. 
Yeah. And and uh yeah. So I when he when he told me that when he said like three years from now when I retire, we're getting an apartment in East Lansing and we're getting season tickets for I was like, buddy, I I freaking love, I love there, that so there much. is a weird Pittsburgh, Michigan State connection. Friend of the program, Hannah Getz, both of her younger siblings. That's right. Michigan State grads. Shout out Hannah. Millvale till we die. Like so I I Cousins, cousins bar and lounge in Millvale. If you ever, if you ever go, just name drop Hannah Getz and you'll and you'll be taken care of. Guys, I want yeah, to see how much I love you. I spared you. Oh no, five oh, no. pages of notes from that damn tape, Bo. Thank you. I appreciate I get that. To it. Of you know what? The if you want to you know do it, I'll Jed, pop off real quick. If you guys just want to, still work. Not. I'm, I'm not Jed, discussing this with Jed. I'm not, send not them. Jed, send them to me. Send them to me in a send them to me in a PDF. And when we're done with this episode, when we're no. done with this episode, I'm gonna switch to whiskey and I'm just gonna <laughs> listen to I'm just gonna listen to Mad World on 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 replay. Donnie Darko I'm gonna poison the world and, and, and with my nose from that tape. I'm not I and on I'm top of it, on top of it, we are going to Orlando. Sorrows. We're going to Orlando. We are staying so far north of Disney, we can't go because we have a noon kick. And all of the restaurants around us, it's chained. We are in chain Yes. <laughs> I find it kind of How sad. far away if you get an Uber to a Universal? Dreams in which I'm Universal is probably 30. Best is like Where are you guys staying? Renaissance, Orlando, North Airport, I believe. Listen, at like least it's at least it's for a noon at least it's for a noon game, yes, right? Yes, I mean, and I agree. I'll be, we might be home before 10 p.m. for the first time so far this year on the road, but not yeah, even any what, food. Like I'm going to end up going out back because I saw a commercial for it. Like you can't go to yeah. Well, well, I, when there's no good food, just get some yam dogs, brother. Oh, I wish if only yam would deliver to Orlando. Well, they haven't had. Oh, a game. Sean, if it makes you, you got to take better, them on got, the plane. I got in and oh, out. They just I got murder everybody on the plane stadium. Yeah. Can we just listen? I know we're all we foodies on here, and we, and we got to wrap this. But I did my first SoFi Stadium yes. right this this past weekend, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like yeah. I've been to Vegas, I've been to Atlanta, I've been to all the palaces, right? Boys, boys, boys. SoFi's got some goods. Boys, three course meal there: breakfast, lunch, dinner. Swear, we 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 get to, and and you guys know. How, I mean, I'm 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 you know I'm the broadcast engineer. I'm first one in, last one out type thing. We get there at eight a.m. for a one o'clock game. Yeah. Full breakfast spread, um, omelet, bar, sausage, potatoes, parfait. I mean, you you name it. Every espresso bar. When did they turn uh, it? Over? So like eleven thirty, they they close breakfast, and like twelve thirty, they switch to lunch, oh which An hour. which which was build your own. So like walking through your own line at Chipotle, basically, right? Like cool. like pick your rice pick your pick your beans pick your meat pick your whatever you want oh yeah and there's beef chimichangas and chicken taquitos at the end as well too um and then post game in and out burger and just a dessert spread i got on the bus with two boxes of m&ms and a box of sour patch kids just an unreal uh, incredible stadium open air but with a roof it's insane and they're building the clippers new arena right next, right next to, to it, to it. And, and I said to everybody, I said, when we come back here in three years, like we're going, if the Clippers are in town, we're going to a Clippers game because unreal. unreal. Why does, does anybody else know, why does Wes's Yinzer accent get worse when he talks about food specifically? Well, you know, you got to go down to Permanis, get a pastrami. I saw Tito's. somebody Tito's. drink some, drink some Tito's and get a pastrami. It was, it was a Pittsburgh official in a high school game. Somebody put you this see it? First, I saw, first, first down, first down, first down, first down. Oh, first down. 
first yeah. first dime. You hands your face first dime. You guys will appreciate Saturday in Hermosa Beach. We had a Steelers Road Dogs party, which is like a Road nice. Warriors party, which is that like a you know packed. like a, a thousand people there at this bar yeah. in Hermosa Beach. It was out of control. Joe <laughs> Hayden, Joe Hayden, and James Ferrier and Troy Polamalu were there with us. I was basically just playing security the whole time to keep people away from those guys. But this was all while the WVU game was going on. Of course, I had three different like listeners come up to me of the course of like. Hey, I just want to let you know, we know we, we've been laughing. Like, you know, you talk about WVU all the time and we've just really liked you watching this game. Cause I'm like, every time something bad happens, I'm like, yeah. And every time something good happens, I'm like, <laughs> somebody needs the video. I had, I had three, I had three different people come up to me and be like, Hey, we, uh, we enjoyed watching you watch the WVU game. Is anybody with you ever when this is happening? All the time. Yeah. Can somebody video you? Oof. No. Yeah. I make them sign. I make them. If, listen, if you're going to watch a WVU game with me, NDA. I make you sign it. I make you sign an NDA before you NDA. walk in. Even, if they, need, even if they take the sound out of it. You know? oh. One of, listen, listen, one of the, to sum this up, Billy Hillgrove, right? Who has been the voice of the Pitt Panthers for 50 Steelers for 30 years, Pitt Panthers for 50 years, right? He's like, the, he was like the Jack Fleming, That's you know, Jack. the, 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 the oh. heir to the, to the, to the Jack empire. He said to me uh, when we were in Vegas a few weeks ago after we beat Texas Tech, he said to me, Wes, I haven't had as much fun watching a football game as I've had watching you watch the Mountaineers in a long time. Because <laughs> we, we were all at a sports book in Vegas, you know, and all the games on and everything. And, like, that was when the uh, Oregon-Colorado game was on yeah. where, where the Ducks took the bus to the woodshed and kind of put a, put a damper on that prime hype. And uh, the whole, he's sitting next to me at the sports book, and the whole game he's like, "Oh my goodness, did you see that?" And I'm like, "No, Billy, I'm watching the Mountaineers." I have one TV. That's it. I don't care. <laughs> and when and when we make that fourth and goal stop, I stand up and I punch the table, and I'm like, you know, like, and he puts his arm around me and he goes, "I haven't had as much fun watching you watch the Mountaineers." And <laughs> I can hear the voice too. Like, yep, I hear it. Thank, thank you, Bill. Yeah. He also we were cracking up. The uh, the Rams had a defensive back named Kobe Durant. And Billy a couple times on the broadcast called him Kobe Bryant. We were all just, we were, we were cracking up. Oh, it was good times. It was good times. Oh, well, I think that'll do it, fellas. Um, Sean, Sorry. enjoy your chain restaurants in Orlando. Thank you. Uh, I've got a new special, so let's see what happens. I didn't even look thanks. at the itinerary big that. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Thanks to yeah, don't don't give away those details on the podcast, oh, no. all right? You like how I Thanks faded off there? Take it right at the hotel. Thanks to all of our sponsors, Bet Online, Toothman Ford, Fortis. Uh, we appreciate the HE double hockey sticks out of all of Yins. And uh, you know, we're gonna roll along this week. We're gonna have our pick'em. We're gonna have Phil Steele. I'm gonna get you ready for that trip to the bounce house this Saturday in Orlando. So we ain't going anywhere. Morale might be a little bit low, but we ain't going anywhere. You know where to find us. Uh, for the handsome tubby man of gold, for the runaway beer truck, for the signal caller, for our producer, Skylar Callahan, I'm Wesley Euler. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening to this edition of ITG. As always, the one thing we ask of you is to be an ear and tell an ear about your new favorite WVU football podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. You've been in the gun. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile 
and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.